So this episode is going to be all about burnout as well as burnout as it relates to specifically product marketing. And I have a very special guest with me. I have Ronnie. Ronnie, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Give a little bit of background on uh, your work in product marketing and maybe just a little bit of, of a teaser on your experience with burnout. Yeah, for sure. So um, I've been in product marketing actually my entire career. Um, I started off on the consumer side of product marketing, working for a company called Snapvine, where we built some of the first social media apps for MySpace and Facebook. It was essentially, you know, kind of like the beginning of Web 2.0, really understanding how to work with brand advertisers and influencers and creators to, you know, build audiences on social media platforms and helping them engage and grow and monetize their audiences, which is a lot of fun. Um, and that's kind of what I focused on, I would say, for the first six years of my career was working with early stage startups and helping them build out what their growth and marketing strategy would look like. How do you go from zero to a million users in the customer base? How do we build and look at approaching a growth engine and then 10xing that in post product market fit, if you will? Um, the last 10 years um, has been more so focused on B2B. Of course, you know, much of my background is based in New York, New York being a media tech town. So much of my background is very much focused in ad tech and marketing technology, which, which has been a lot of fun for me as a marketer. Um, but also, I think in B2B, it's also been very prone to burnout at different levels. And that's also been very unique to me and my experiences. So um, you know, one of the things was I was working through college. So, of course, overloading myself with a lot of work in between both kind of like the personal and professional life. But also as I progressed in my career and, you know, kind of looking at you know, the complexities of the job and what that really called for as well and how that started contributing to a lot of the different types of of burnout that does manifest in not just, you know, kind of the workplace and the ad tech industry, um, but also with product marketing as as the role is very, very unique um, as well. And so um, a lot of experiences go both good and bad in terms of how to manage and maintain not just kind of like a healthy work-life balance, but also finding reward and psychological kind of intrinsic value in the work that, that I do. Yeah, it's funny. I was uh, just talking with my wife the other day. We were going out a walk and I was feeling like a little bit of, you know, I was feeling a little bit of burnout at that time. And I was thinking in my head, I was like, you know what I really missed is like back in college because I worked through college too. But what I really appreciated about my jobs in college was I, I could kind of just like clock in and clock out. Yeah. You know, like there wasn't any like drive to get like get the promotion, get a big raise. It was kind of like, hey, like this is the job itself. And yeah. uh, you just kind of like clock in, clock out. And I was like, man, I kind of I kind of missed that. Like I don't have to like really think, I didn't have to think too much like, after the day was done, I didn't have to think about like, oh, like this big thing that's happening tomorrow and like the next week to prep for. Uh, and anyway, just kind of what you said there just kind of reminded me of like the almost that wish of kind of like just going back to the that like old way of working when when you're younger, like when just like a, a like a confined kind of experience working as opposed to just like this all encompassing kind of a thing, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, to your point, I think that you know, that really talks towards how certain jobs have boundaries um, as well. And so, you know, like with that kind of job, it's like, you know, that you're going in for a certain amount of time, you're expected to do a certain type of, you know, kind of like job duties that are related to that, you clock in, you clock out. Um, and so, 
you know, like that, I think, you know, that really attributes itself to, you know, like, how do we create boundaries and how do we create spaces that also, you know, like after kind of like that college job, when you get into your first professional job, um, you know, what are the boundaries that you need to create um, within your first 30 days, very early on um, within your with, within your first job and ensuring that you're able to create the space for yourself to to let yourself not just breathe, <clears throat> but also be able to do your work um, and hone your craft as well, which I think is becoming more and more important as we become more senior in our career as well. Yeah, yeah. Let's dive deeper into that because you mentioned, uh, you know, being in like the tech world or in ad tech specifically for about 16 years. And so how has how has uh, your relationship with Burnout changed throughout this time? Because I'm sure like, like I go through ebbs and flows of when I'm like, no, I'm like going for it. Like, I don't care if I'm like working a little bit harder right now. I'm like really motivated. I'm feeling great. And I also go through times where I'm like, dude, I don't care. Like, I just need like some time for myself. Um, so like, how, how have you kind of navigated um, the past 16 years in your career? Um, I mean, burnout will manifest very differently within different organizations. So at an organizational level, it's very different. At an individual level, um, it's going to be very different. And then also in one's own career, it's going to be different as well. And the reason why I say this is because, you know, sometimes, you know, the burnout could be attributed to a work-life balance. Like you're just doing way too much work and you don't have enough time for yourself. So going back to kind of setting those boundaries and creating space for yourself to do your best work and be your best self. Um, there are other times where the burnout is, you know, kind of stemming from perhaps being in an organization that is, um, you know, kind of experiencing a lot of growth. They're going through a lot of um, <laughs> changes. And that also impacts how product marketing is able to perform as well. I think right now, um, for a lot of, for a lot of people, especially, um, you know, kind of this older millennial demographic is that we've, you know, kind of one experience being a people manager during COVID-19, of course, was not the most fun. And so a lot of it was attributed to a lot of different things, right. In terms of, um, one, we don't have psychological safety in our own personal lives with, you know, kind of experiencing lockdown and, being isolated, so on and so forth. And then of course, our job now, you know, going from in person to remote work. So a lot of change, sometimes a lot of burnout is attributed to a lot of change that's happening that also makes you feel like you have no control over um, the decisions that you make, the actions that you're able to take, the work that you do, the work quality um, that you're able to deliver. And so you know, what, how, and that's why I say, you know, like it's, it really just depends. It's, it's one of those things. And I, I know this is like a classic thing where a lot of people say, well, it depends, but this mm -hmm. is absolutely one of those things where um, it, re it really depends on a lot of, you know, different factors um, that influence the way that your burnout manifests. Um, I think that that's, you, you mentioned like how, uh, which I think this is really important, how burnout can really be self-imposed. And I definitely take responsibility for that. And during many phases of my career where I felt burnout, you know, trying to do either my current job, like, or, you know, whatever up my, my current, like, whether I'm at ClickUp or ZoomInfo, like any of the previous places I've worked, just like trying really hard to go above and beyond and try to get to like the next level. Or maybe just trying to do too many different things. 
Um, it, so it, it can absolutely be self-imposed. And that's why I think that that first point of kind of setting those personal boundaries that you mentioned is so important. Um, however, I do think that there are certainly occasions where, you know, it is like an org wide kind of a thing. Um, and it really matters like how, like the kind of company that you do work for and the kind of boundaries that they put in place and like the expectations that they have. Um, I think that like kind of understanding both of those roles, like how you impose them and how your organization imposes them, it's really important. Yeah, no, for sure. I absolutely agree. I mean, I think there is a level of control that we do have ourselves, right? In terms of being very vocal about what our needs are. Um, I mean, that's why I'm also a fan of kind of the one-on-one -on -one framework where we not just talk about what it is that we're working on. I mean, that can be definitely an element of a one-on-one, -on -one, but more so a one-on-one -on -one that really captures, you know, how you're feeling and how you're feeling that week, how you're feeling about your performance, about your work. Um, do you feel um, that your work is validating the way that you want to grow within the organization and your career and being able to have that space, that safe space um, with your manager or your team member is so important to be able to be honest and truthful about when burnout does manifest. Um, I think a lot of times um, people are scared to speak up about burnout because they feel like they're going to be seen that the burnout is a weakness of theirs and they're not able to do their job. Um, and so that's why it's like, it's very complex because the way that you vocalize also has a lot to do with the existing systems that exist within the organization, how your dynamic is with your manager, your department or functional lead, um, as well as, you know, kind of how the role of product marketing itself fits within the larger kind of organization. And the reason why I say that is because there are times where product marketing is viewed as a very tactical execution type of role. And so it's hard to be able to say, you know, like I need space because every day you're being asked to, to like execute, you know, a one sheet or a sell sheet, product messaging, positioning, a customized deck for an enterprise client, um, a new customer marketing plan, restructuring a team, so on and so forth. And so, you know, like I think that within the realm of, you know, how do we think about bringing up burnout? It's, it's really about ensuring that you're in a psychological safe space where you can share and vocalize that and be able to seek support from your peers, your team members, um, your manager, um, and see if there's any changes that you're able to do and have control over yourself. Um, so that's, that's, what, that's why I say, you know, like it's, it's two-pronged in terms of how we think about addressing burnout. It's the first is absolutely there are things that you can do to minimize triggers and minimize exposure to things that may trigger you. Um, and then there's also things that, you know, your manager would need to help you with, like communicating prioritizations and things like that. Um, but like I said, every, every situation is going to be different. Um, and so you need to kind of like step, take a step back and assess, you know, within understanding what I know about my company, understanding what I know about my manager, you know, how much support and help would I be able to get by being truthful and honest? And I hope everybody is in a place where they can be truthful about this and also not be judged 
or stigmatized because because of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably a that's probably the biggest fear is like, hey, if I vocalize this, will it reflect poorly on like a performance review? Or will I not get another opportunity down the road to, you know, either, you know, take on a, a new project or get a promotion or something like that? And so let we'll address specifically some things that people can do, like actions that they can take um, a little bit further into the conversation. I do want to touch on specifically why you think product marketers are prone to burnout. You kind of touched on it already, right? How like there's just like product marketers are just, are just responsible for a lot within a company. Like it can range from like very strategic, right? Coming up with like the narrative and and like who we're actually going to go after in the market. Um, but it can also be very tactical, like to, to your point, creating like one pagers or sales decks, that kind of stuff. And so outside of that, like why do you think that PMM specifically is so prone to burnout? Um, there's a couple things to kind of explore at a macro level. Um, of course, there's economic uncertainty that drives a lot of executives and business leaders to pivot and rethink their GTM strategy. A lot of companies or startups that have reached product market fit perhaps no longer have product market fit um, or their growth has stalled. Um, you know, customers aren't renewing. They're now exploring other options. So a lot of things that are happening at a macro level that are now pressuring executives and their board to really de-risk every decision, especially when it comes to performance, productivity, operational, and cost efficiency. Marketing, as we all know, is in a very tough position since they're the likely most, where most of the cuts are being made. So that loss of budget impacts the investment and ultimately ROI. So this can also lead to restriction of resources and tools that enable product marketers to do our jobs effectively. I think the most problematic thing or the biggest challenge that we see is um, the first of a layoff is likely going to be part of the product marketing team as well. So now it's you're coming up against the challenge of how do we do less with more? And I don't think that's really a good approach. I think the better approach or the better idea and mindset is how do we become more effective with the resources and tools that we have? Um, how do we focus and optimize the most effective programs? And so this becomes a conversation that the whole marketing organization really needs to have in terms of how they define business goals and priorities against the existing team that is left, especially af after a round of layoffs or you know, kind of a round of budget cuts, so on and so forth. And so I think from a macro level, that's a lot of what's happening. That's pushing a lot of PMMs to kind of the brink of burnout if they're not there already. From a micro level, um, it is the nature of our work. You know, again, you know, we're in the middle of or we're the nexus of a company where, um, you know, we really we're really in between the product and the customer we're the orchestrator of the GTM strategy. We have the most long tail view of the business. And so we experience firsthand a lot of the strategic, tactical, and operational gaps that exist and impacts the work we deliver and ultimately the, our, our GTM strategy and the motions um, that, that we do. So it's very, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, kind of like the why is this happening? Why is product marketing very, you know, prone to burnout? It's because, you know, I think a lot of these things that are both happening at a ma macro level, at an economic level, that's th from the top down. And then, of course, from the bottom up and the nature of, of our of our work, 
um, you know, we're, we're kind of in the middle of, of everything. I mean, I think one of, one of the um, analogies that one of, one of my favorite product marketers, Marcus Andrews has developed is the idea of product marketing as an octopus. It is very much that. Yeah. 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 No, I can totally see that. And that the one thing that you mentioned um, of kind of being in the middle of everything, but it's also, it's interesting too, because I, I find that product marketing is widely misunderstood um, yeah. at an organizational level. Like you're very lucky if you work for, um, you know, leaders who fully understand what product marketing does, what they do well, and what it's not usually done or what it's not usually for or responsible for. Um, and it's also interesting how there's usually a, a lack of representation from product marketers specifically at the higher level and how it'll typically roll up under someone that's more broadly marketing or more broadly product. And so you don't usually get somebody who fully uh, can represent product marketing's best interest. And I think that could be one of the reasons why product marketers usually get the short end of the stick in these kind of uh, challenging environments, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the other aspect of it too is by the time a company makes the decision to bring on a head of product marketing, every other function has already been built out. This episode of the Healthy Competition Podcast is brought to you by the Healthy Competition Community. Whoa, can you believe that? The Healthy Competition Community is where product marketers, competitive intel practitioners, and other go-to-market pros share best practices and act as a sounding board for questions that Google can't answer. Over a thousand messages are exchanged every month, despite there being less than a hundred members in the community. Now, I'm a firm believer in prioritizing high quality topics of conversation and building authentic connections over member count numbers. So this piece is super important to me. But with that being said, if you listen to this podcast, then you'll probably love being in the community. So join today at healthycompetition.co. That's healthycompetition.co. Now back to the episode. Mm, so that's so true it's usually like uh like uh you're farther along uh and it's you know usually the product market i mean you see kind of these questions that people pose like who should be the first hire you right. know a after after like a certain point and then you sometimes people say like oh it should be like a, a brand person it, they wouldn't normally say a brand person but they're like rev operations something like that you know what i mean but you never really see a product marketer on that list of like the first even like five or ten employees so it makes it pretty challenging you know yeah for sure because i mean because your entire time i mean i i joke about this with other heads of product marketing of like our first year is digging our head out of the sand and playing catch up because it's a huge ramp up, right? I mean, the things that we kind of face is um, there may be buy-in in terms of understanding that there is an importance for product marketing, but there may not be, um, you know, kind of like systems, processes, operations in place to be able to enable our success. So then a lot of times, you know, our first 90 days is just really understanding what those gap needs are. So kind of the assess and discovery phase of our, of our first 90 days is really dedicated to understanding, okay, how mature is this product marketing organization? At which point do I need to start? And I think, you know, in my last couple of roles, um, at later stage and a fortune 500 company, um, you know, what my biggest learning curve was do not assume that because they are a mature company that they don't need help in optimizing their product marketing foundation. 
Um, and so a lot of times we're then having to build building blocks when every other team has already established <laughs> their foundations, their their alignment, their process, their tech stack. Um, we're still playing catch up. We're still having to build the business cases to grow our headcount, to get new technology tools, to ensure that we're able to successfully measure our sales content and collateral of efficacy and how that translates to revenue. We're having to you know, build out um, even communication alliances. A lot of times when a, a VP or a head of product marketing comes along, they're uh, having to redefine what expectations are between product management and product marketing, product marketing and customer success, product marketing and sales, and also product marketing within marketing and what that communication also looks like. Um, and so it can become very overwhelming very, very quickly. Um, and so I think that when we think about, you know, what is happening and, and why is product marketing so prone to burnout, it's everything and anything we just talked about in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> right. And this way you mentioned us the, uh, the piece about like, you know, the first 30 or 90 days, yeah. understanding the goals of the organization, creating like uh, just stronger kind of communication ties between different department heads and whatnot. Um, yeah. Someone in, um, in my community, they mentioned something uh, that they typically ask people when they first started rule. And I thought it was, it was so perfect. And it matches this conversation. Um, they just ask, Hey, like, what do you think product marketing is? Or what is your previous yes. like definition of product marketing? What was your relationship with product marketing before, before I started uh, just to get, cause I think it's going to change with every single person that you talk to. And then that helps you kind of clean the slate a little bit and say like, okay, like that might've been true, or maybe it is true. Like perfect. Like you're great. But like in either case, it gives you kind of like the, the opportunity to reestablish what you're here to do and hopefully not get a bunch of requests that, uh, you know, uh, that don't really align with what product marketing is there to support the business with, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to kind of dig deeper on that in terms of, you know, kind of that discovery, you know, I, I take a gap needs approach to that in the sense of I build out what that questionnaire is, is going to look like. So beyond kind of just like, um, what have you experienced with product marketing? How do you define it? What are your expectations? What you like, what you didn't like? It's also re also understanding, you know, it's it's basically our our customer interview. It's our internal customer interview, right? Because all of these stakeholders, you are ultimately supporting them. And so it's your job to figure out what exactly it is that, they need that they understand it's your intel to understand that you know the vp of sales has had a great relationship with demand gen but not so much product marketing it's your job to understand you know the dynamic between product management and product marketing um what their philosophy is what their shipping culture is like what their product development methodology is um you know kind of like are they on time in terms of roadmap delivery so on and so forth and so all of these things i mean i i map it out into basically a framework of you know if if you go into a new organization as a head of pmm you should be talking to at least 20% of the company within your first 30 days to understand and from across all teams to understand and get a good gauge or a good pulse on what's working what's not and then building out what your operational strategy is going to be. 
because mm-hmm. of course there's there's the strategic aspect of building up product marketing of like what are your frameworks for positioning messaging ci customer marketing partner marketing whatever it is but then there's the operational aspect of what you need to do as a leader as well and so that also you know kind of that first 30 days is super important to be able to get as many points of view as possible and see where the patterns are and where you can find the quick wins. I know like we're going like a little bit off talent, off tangent, but getting that information in the very beginning is so crucial because then, you know, a lot of just combating burnout can be addressed by understanding what the expectations are of your function very early on versus going in there making assumptions um, yeah. And, and also it, it's easier to address that and set yeah. yourself up for success when you're first starting as opposed yeah. to, Hey, this is how things have been done for the past year and a half. And I'm just going to like change it all. You know, like it just, it's, exactly. it, it, it's significantly you don't harder to do that. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be a bulldozer. And that's why, you know, like I'm a big fan of more of like, okay, let's figure out where your standing point is and then go from there. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So let's, so that's good advice for folks who are maybe starting a new role soon or are in the process of figuring out like, all right, I want to start uh, fresh. Let's talk about people who now are in a situation that where they're feeling a bit burnt out. Let's talk about uh, what PMMs can do. So tactically, right? Like what's in their control? What can they do to try to fix their situation? Because I think, especially now, I would typically get, I'm totally like one of those people where like, I'm just like a cheerleader for people. And I'm like, oh, like if people are like not treating you well, like just leave them, like whatever, Uh, like go, go to another job or whatever. But like this economic environment, it's not so easy. You like, you can't just run out and get another product marketing job. It's not as easy as it was two, three years ago. And so there's, there's likely some more work that we need to do or questions to ask ourselves uh, before we try to make like one of those drastic changes. And so what do you think from a, you know, from a personal perspective, what can PMMs do to try to address and assess their own burnout? Yeah, I think, I mean, going back to your point um, about, you know, kind of like burnout and it's not so easy a decision to make to just up and leave a job um, being able to make that decision is a privileged decision to be able to make. Um, mm-hmm. That we also have to understand that burnout is complex, and will mani- and again will manifest very differently for everybody, and also at very different stages of their career. And so the first thing that I think about is, and and this is and this is not to say like this is what worked for me, um, having gone through this, but it's really about okay what's in my control um in the sense that i'm constantly assessing like am i having a tough day or am i actually in a toxic job and kind of weighing the pros and cons there and so a lot of times i know this is like a very tactical thing to do i'm i'm one of those really crazy ocd people that does write lists and so i will ask this question periodically of myself and this is also kind of a thing that I picked up in therapy. So this is also a stem of professional health as well. Um, But assessing the burnout and assessing my mood. So am I having a tough day? Or am I in a toxic job assessing, you know, kind of the pros and not just the pros and cons of that more of like the details of the specifics of that? Am I happy 
at work? Am I happy with the work that I'm performing? Am I fulfilled? Is this, do I feel like the work that I'm doing is amounting to a larger goal within the organization? Like, is it amounting up to a promotion? Is it amounting to more responsibilities? Um, Is this, you know, kind of challenging my curiosity and I'm learning something? Is it something that's still exciting me? Um, the other aspect of it is also the control aspect. Do I feel in control when I deal with challenges at work? Or do I have support when I'm dealing with challenges at work? Um, and I think, you know, when we kind of start documenting this, so going back to kind of like the documentation aspect of list making, um, start documenting this and we go back and we start reading this from kind of like a journaling aspect Um, you begin to see the patterns of your mood and your behavior changes. And of course, you're going to start, unfortunately, if if your burnout is now manifesting in such a way where your friends are noticing it, your spouse or partner, your doctor, which was, which was how I had my own wake up call. um, Then you begin to kind of see, okay, you know, this is at a point where I need to start making changes, but also understanding that you know, kind of going back to the idea of, you know, am I having a tough day or a toxic job? There are going to be times where your job is really tough, but there are things that you can still do to address those challenges. For instance, you know, like if I'm not able to um, deliver a case study on time because I don't have access to data or I don't have access to a certain platform or someone's on vacation, I'm not able to do, you know, X, Y, and Z to be able to create whatever asset that I'm delivering. Those are still things that just make your job tough. Right. Those are still obstacles of things of like, okay, I can find something where I can still do my job. But if you're now in a place where like, what does it mean to be in a toxic job? It doesn't necessarily mean you are a victim or target of harassment, abuse, acts of inequity. Of course, that's very, very toxic. And you should absolutely perhaps seek professional help. I don't say that lightly. Um, I mean, I had to seek legal help multiple times in my career as well. Um, and so that's a topic for later, but it's all, it all, a toxic job can also mean a job that has just perpetually made you unhappy for an extended period of time. Like you are perpetually unhappy. Your mood has changed. You're no longer yourself. You're losing sleep. Um, it's now manifesting physically. Um, you perhaps, you know, look under the weather all the time. You just have no energy. You have the Sunday scaries more often than you should. Um, and it's impacting the way that you behave, make decisions, make decisions and treat others around you. So I'm, that's what I would do in terms of like, just why it's so important to consistently assess your mood and how you feel about work on a weekly or <clears throat> monthly basis. Yeah. When, and I think the big thing that you mentioned there with the Sunday scaries, if you have the Sunday scaries like every day, then you might be burnt out, which like I've totally been there where I'm like, man, it's only Tuesday. Like I, I don't even like know how, how I'm going to tackle the rest of the week kind of a thing. And again, yeah. like it's, it's ebbed and flowed for me personally throughout my career. Yeah. And you know, usually like when it gets to like that stage where it's just like a constant, like really don't want to go into the next day of work or even think about the next day of work, then that's when I know it's like, okay, I have some like digging to do and I need to like figure out kind of what I need to do in order to, in order to feel better about this situation. Um, so we've kind of painted, right? Like this, this picture of like, okay, we're, like we're feeling burnout. We've kind of painted the picture of why specifically PMMs 
are prone to burnout. What do you think um, like the ideal future for PMMs uh, uh, is like just in the workplace in general? Uh, I mean, I, I think that we're definitely experiencing like a moment specifically right now, again, because of like the economic uh, environment that we're currently facing, but uh, would love to understand like ideally, like what kind of position do you think that PMMs need to be in and to avoid being so prone to burnout consistently? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I absolutely agree that PMM is is experiencing a moment right now, uh, which is great, right? I mean, we're um, able to kind of really showcase our strengths as a as a strategic function of the the company or the organization that we're at, which is I think is really great. Um, but I think there's still a lot of room that we need to improve on, and that's continuously doing the work of educating our organizations, our executive leaders, our teams, in what product marketing is, why we are a strategic function, what we do, and what we don't do. Because that's a level of setting boundaries right there, right, from a professional standpoint or from, you know, a team leader standpoint is that we're constantly doing the education work. And once you, and I think, you know, once you kind of get into a hang of, being able to talk comfortably about product marketing, you feel less annoyed because I'll be honest with you, you feel less annoyed <laughs> talking about product marketing because I I, when, I remember when I was much more junior in my career, like what's product marketing? And I'm just like, oh, I have to explain this again. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. hundred um, percent. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But now it's like once you become much more senior in your career, you begin to realize that it is a constant education um, and that is part of the job. That is the job is educating others within your organization as well as out of your outside of your organization what product marketing is and that's a form of setting boundaries. Right, um, and, that's, and that's can I, if I can just say like I think that that's also like a great instead of looking at it as like a ugh, like I gotta like talk about this again like thank God somebody's asking you specifically as opposed yeah. to making assumptions and causing issues down the road. So like if 100%. anybody asks you what product marketing is just in the back of your head, be like, great. Like we're addressing this thing now. So I don't have to worry about it later. And you can take the stage and kind of give them your spiel about like what it's for and what it's not for. Totally. And I think the other thing is it's opened up a two-way dialogue, right? Versus you kind of standing on your soapbox with the microphone and just like, this is product marketing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but now you're in a two-way dialogue where you can actually exact change in how they think about it. Um, and also, you know, kind of challenge their way of thinking too, in terms of perhaps maybe they did have some preconceived notions or assumptions about what product marketing is. And, you know, you're there to teach and educate about what product marketing is and what it can do for the organization and what kind of business outcomes they should expect um, as well. Um, but I mean, going back to what you were saying about the future, like what does the future for product marketing looks like ideally? I mean, a lot of people have pinged me about the changes that have happened at Airbnb. Um, I don't know if that's the right or wrong answer. I think it's the right thing for them to do as an organization. I think there's, it's still yet to be seen whether that particular business transformation can be a case study. Which just to, for, for people that are unaware, like you're, you're talking about the concept of like, they don't have product managers, they just have product marketing, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure that we're talking about the same thing. Yes. Cool. I'm also going to make an assumption that their product marketers are also very technical. So yeah. these 
marketers are likely in sprint meetings. They are likely prioritizing the backlog. They are likely managing the process of the voice of the voice of the customer process or program where they're um, going out there, doing the market research. They're fo- they're doing the focus group. They're doing the competitive and customer intel, um, and they're developing the pricing and packaging forecasting. Da 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 da. But I would assume that these product marketers are likely much more technical up funnel within the product development process as well. Uh, I don't know because I've never been part of Airbnb and I don't have friends at Airbnb. But from um, a former CMO of theirs, I would gather that that is the style of product marketing that they that they have, which I think is really cool because, I mean, I'm a little bit of a nerd, so I love that. But Um, You know, like right now, it's still yet to be seen whether that can be translated or adapted adapted to other organizations, because at the end of the day, ultimately, you know, it doesn't matter who's doing what product management, product marketing, sales, customer success, whatever. Someone just needs to do it. Mm -hmm. Totally. Ronnie, this has been an awesome conversation. Uh, I've never spoken in depth about this with anyone uh, quite at this length, and I'm really excited to get it out to people. So if, if anybody's listening, if you made it this far um, and it's been helpful for you, like ping me or Ronnie and just like let us know. Um, I think this is a really um, relevant topic, not just in general for people in the workplace, but also for product marketers, because again, like we're in such a um, or in such a unique place within the workspace. And so in either case, I hope that folks found this helpful. Ronnie, what's what's next for you? What, what do you got going on? And where can people follow you if they want to learn more about you and what you're up to? Oh, God. Um, if you asked me six months ago where people could follow me, I would say Twitter, but that's no longer the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you on threads? <laughs> um, yes. That's loaded. So I'm going to say no for now. Okay, uh, no for now. Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I know on this chat, we didn't really talk a lot about, you know, more of like tangible, you know, what it is that we can do. It's more of like, you know, how do we spot burnout? How do we understand why it's happening? Um, and then also, you know, kind of like using that as kind of a roadmap to figure out what to do next. Because again, it's going to be very different. And so, um, you know, Absolutely. Maybe that's a part two that we can talk yeah, about. We'll do a part two for sure. hundred percent. Um, but you know, I think for a lot of product marketers, I mean, I get pinged all the time from different product marketers experiencing burnout, experiencing just going through a tough time. And so more than happy to be an ear. I don't give advice, but I, am, but I do, I am a very good listener. Um, but you know, like if it's to a point where I, uh, give people tough love, I give a lot of my friends tough love. Um, I can do that too. <laughs> there you go. I love that. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. Don't want a bunch of people pinging you, getting all bummed out on you and, oh, and what, and hoping that you could be a therapist. Uh, I mean, it's all good, honestly, because it's my decision whether or not to respond. There you go. There you it's go. Perfect. <laughs> okay, perfect. Thanks so much, Ronnie, for joining. And uh, yeah, we'll do a part two. So like I said, folks, if you made it this far, and you really like this, let us know and uh, ask uh, any questions that you want us to address. And uh, yeah, look forward to that soon. Thanks, Andrew. Hey, you made it to the end of the episode. I have one small favor for you now. If you could please rate this podcast five stars wherever you're listening to it, that'd be super helpful for me. For Spotify, you can only leave a review on the mobile app, and you can do that on the top of the Healthy Competition podcast profile. And for Apple Podcasts, you have to scroll to the bottom of the show's page and click write a review. Each podcast episode takes about five hours of my time from beginning to end while reviewing it. 
should only take about five seconds of your time. Plus, you'd be making my day. So thank you so much in advance and see you in the next episode.